Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today's episode is sponsored by Book Riot Insiders. Struggling to keep up with the latest releases? Want to keep an eye on what's coming out in the next few months for your work or your own personal pre-ordering needs? If you need help turbocharging your TBR, Book Riot Insiders is here for you. Our new release index, available at the novel level for just $5 a month, is curated by resident philosopher reader Liberty Hardy from the All the Books podcast. She keeps track of the most exciting books pre-publication so that you can browse them, know when your favorite author's next novel hits or find your next favorite read. So go to insiders.bookriot.com to sign up. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 53, and we're recording on May 3rd. I'm Sharifa Williams, and I'm here today with my guest, the fantastic Liberty Hardy, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. Today, we're talking about pirates in sci-fi and fantasy. Welcome, Liberty. Hi. I think this is the first time we've ever podcasted together, is it? It is. It absolutely is. That's so fun. Yeah. I'm so excited. Thank you for volunteering to come on while Jen is away at a fairy tale event. Absolutely. I was super stoked to do it. Thank you. Well, can you tell everybody who you are? I mean, I feel like everybody knows you very well by now, but just in case for that <laughs> one listener out there who doesn't know you. <laughs> oh, sure. Um, I'm Liberty Hardy, and I'm a cat mom. Um, I also talk about books, but mostly I'm a cat mom. Uh, no, but I am the one of the hosts of all the books and all the backlist, which are Book Riot podcasts. I also do the new books newsletter about new new releases for Book Riot, and also Book Radar, which is a bunch of just bookish fun stuff. And then I just talk about books everywhere else too. Basically, books <laughs> and cats. Books, books. Yes. Uh, yeah. Everybody knows how fast you read and. We just had the pre-roll where it was very awkward because I introduced you while you were listening. So that was cool. (laughs) (laughs) So you had to say nice things. I had to say nice things. I never say anything bad to somebody's face. (laughs) Speaking speaking of saying things that are bad, would you say that today's episode will add books to people's TBR? Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) So bad. Wow. Already, you're already contributing some Jeff jokes to the uh, <laughs> podcast. That's fantastic. <laughs> I only wish it was, uh, what is it, National Pirates Day? Except I feel like everybody would be really annoyed if we just did pirate speak yeah. this entire episode. So maybe it's for the best. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, before we start talking about what's new in science fiction and fantasy, I'm going to tell you about our first sponsor which is Stranger Things from Dark Horse Comics and Netflix. Very exciting. Um, So see the other side of the hit Netflix series Stranger Things in this original comic series now collected in trade paperback. Find out what happens to young Will Byers after he's trapped in a dark dimension all alone with a terrifying monster. 
Wilmus used his wits, courage, and heart to survive the monster and escape the Upside Down. And these are official comics. They tie into the hit Netflix series that some of you may be watching a lot of and very excited for come July. And they do reveal what happened to Will Byers in the Upside Down, which is a place I would personally never want to be stuck in. So I'm sure it's going to be creepy. Um, And these comics take place during season one of the series, if you're wondering about the timeline. Um, So yeah, it collects all four issues of the miniseries. And if that sounds exciting to you, if you're a Stranger Things fan, you should definitely pick up Stranger Things from Dark Horse Comics and Netflix. Okay, onward. Do you want to talk about your first news story? Um, Yes. I, I could do that, or um, I'm so confused. <laughs> Where are we going to talk about Game of Thrones? That's right. That's right. Let's talk about Game of Thrones first. Sorry. I'm already <laughs> the one messing things up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to talk about Game of Thrones because you are... Jen doesn't watch the show, which is totally understandable. There are a few people. Yeah, and I can... And so I don't... I never want to talk about it too much because I know it can get really irritating, especially when the seasons come back and everybody is literally talking about Game of Thrones. But because I know you love Game of Thrones too... I thought we could talk about who we're rooting for on the show. Without any spoilers, for those of you who are worried, we're not going to give any spoilers away. So can you tell me who you are rooting for? Because I'm so curious. Well, uh, uh, who I want to end up on the throne is Cersei, which is a really unpopular opinion. I don't think she's going to, <laughs> but I, I, I want her to. Like, I feel like she deserves it. She's, I mean, she's horrible, but she's also been through a lot. And nobody does revenge like her. And I just, I don't know. I just really like her. And I want her to, to end up on the throne. Um, I don't think she's going wow. to. But, uh, you know, I don't, and as far as, like, who does, after that, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just like, whatever. But at the beginning of this new season, which is the last season, you know, going into the first episode, I was like, mm, they're, they're not going to kill off that many people because, you know, we're all so attached to them now and they've come so far and all this stuff. But then as soon as I watched the first episode, I was like, oh my goodness, everyone is going to die. <laughs> I'm like, why did I ever think that they wouldn't? <laughs> I know. You know, I felt the same way. And I, I was curious because, you know, it's not necessarily based off the George R. R. Martin books now, it's not at all. So I was like, well, are they are they going to be gentler on people, on characters in this one? Are they going to want to make us continue to be curious about who's going to get the throne and then killing off a bunch of people is going to kind of, you know, filter a lot out? So I was kind of surprised and kind of not. I was kind of just going for the ride. Mm-hmm. But mostly, I really wanted to make sure that my favorite was going to be okay. Because from the very beginning of the show, and I don't want to be one of those petty people who's like, well, you know, I liked this character before anybody liked this <laughs> character. Except that is totally how I'm going to come off. I Like, I, my stan is Arya Stark. She has been my favorite character from the beginning. And this is my, this is where I come from. I don't care who gets the Iron Throne as long as Arya gets to run off and live with the wolf pack and live her best life. I don't care. I 
don't care who rules. <laughs> yeah. That's I just how want I feel. Arya to live her. Yeah. Be- because yeah. my favorite character is Bronn. And he's not he's not getting the throne. Like he's not going. I just want yeah. Bronn to be okay. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I love him. But I think I don't know. I think that po- I'm just, you know, guessing. But George R. R. Martin George R. R. Martin was very smart because I think once he saw that the show was really popular and taking off, I don't think he ever had any plans to release the last two books before the series finished. Because what an amazing way to, like, see what works and what doesn't work and who's popular and who isn't to, like, influence, like, what you put in those last two books. You're so positive about that. That is, like, the most positive perspective I have heard on... George R. R. Martin not coming out with the last books. So <laughs> he's like workshopping it in real time, you know, like with the entire world. I know, but wouldn't you feel like I don't like doesn't he feel like some of that creative and of course I'm asking a question to George R. R. Martin who is not in this room with us, but wouldn't he feel like Wink wink I know <laughs> Oh if only. Um he would not be happy with all my questions. But, like, wouldn't you feel like some of that creative control is being wrest from him, like, because there are, like, these writer rooms that are coming up with these theories and that are determining what's going to happen. So maybe he's, like, totally chill about that, and that is exactly what he's doing because he does seem very relaxed and maybe even smirky about how the books have not come out and the movie, I mean, the show is just proceeding without them. So... You could be right. I imagine him giving them ideas. Yes. Like, he gives them kind of, like, a direction on what he wanted to do. But, again, he can do whatever he wants. Like, there was an article last week where he said he's going to put unicorns in the last couple yes. books. But <laughs> they won't appear in the show. Which is... So it's like, okay, unicorns, that's fine. That's the strangest thing. I, I did not expect unicorns. But, yeah, he is coming out with all... Like, I, I feel like he's going to slowly trickle more and more news out about... And they made it sound like it was an accident. I, In my mind, I don't think it was an accident that he just said that. No. But um, I, are, are you going to read the books when they come out, the last ones, or the last one? I think, I think so. What I haven't, I haven't read the, the first volume in the Targaryen book, though. The Fire and Blood, is that what it was that came out last yeah, year? Yeah, I... I don't, I don't think I know anybody who has read it. Did you read it? No. Well, I don't really... I might have made some laughing comments about that. I don't, I'm not really a big reader of like the side books, like the Silmeri, I always mm-hmm. say this wrong, Silmerian or Silmerilon, whatever. I don't really read those books, so I did not expect myself to pick up this one. Um, it sounded very much in George R. R. Martin's wheelhouse, and I can totally imagine him enjoying, like, getting into the nitty-gritty of, like, the history and things like that, but that's not necessarily my cup of tea. I just want the main story. Just give me, just finish the main story for me, and I'll be happy. Yeah. I don't know. I imagine it's much like when you have things that you want to do that are fun, and then you have work. Like, you like to get, you know, you like to do the fun things first. Yeah. You know, so, like, for him, like, writing those books is a lot of work, you know, there's a lot of pressure, and so he's probably like, I'm just going to do this other thing. Um, But if you've never heard it, or, excuse me, if you've never read it, there is a great Neil Gaiman article that he wrote a few years ago called George R.R. Martin is Not Your Bitch, 
about how people need to lay off him and uh -huh. stop like demanding that he does stuff, which is which and and all authors like stop demanding things of all authors. It's pretty great. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that absolutely. And now that the show is ending, I feel like, and this might be part of the point too. Like, I feel like the pressure is going to be off once I I reach the ending of this show. I kind mm -hmm. of feel like, oh well, if it when it comes out, if it comes out, it comes out. And I'm sure I'll pick it up, but I don't feel like as, I don't feel like I'm fixing to have that book right away. Like I need it in my hands right now. So good job, awesome. George R. R. Martin. You, you tricked <laughs> us all. <laughs> okay, now we can talk about the news <laughs> and you can talk about Sarah Gailey. Yes, I am so excited. Tor.com just revealed Sarah Gailey's new book. They have a book coming out uh, in a couple weeks, I think, called Magic for Liars. June 4th it's coming out, um, which is fantastic. But they have a new book coming out next year, and they just revealed the cover and the plot. And it's about queer librarian spies on horseback wow. in the future American Southwest, which is amazing, right? They wrote the, the series um, with the alligators, like mm -hmm. the sort of alternate history. So this sounds a little bit more like that, like, you know, Wild West um, librarians on horseback. Uh, so it says here, Esther is a stowaway. She's hidden herself away in the librarian's book wagon in an attempt to escape the marriage her father has arranged for her, a marriage to the man who was previously engaged to her best friend, her best friend who she was in love with, her best friend who was just executed for possession of resistance propaganda. The future American Southwest is full of bandits, fascists, and queer librarian spines on horseback trying to do the right thing. It's called Upright Women Wanted. And I cannot wait to read it. That sounds... So that's my exciting thing for today. It just sounds amazing. That sounds really, really cool. I heard about this on the sidelines. Like, I didn't actually read the synopsis. So hearing that... This sounds right up Sarah Gailey's alley. I really liked River of Teeth. Um, yes. <laughs> which I've talked about a couple of times on this show. But it was like, you know, cow... I, I guess this is what it would be. Hippo... Boys, <laughs> cowboys on hippos <laughs> on a major heist, and it was just so funny and clever. So, yeah, I'm I'm expecting a lot from this, and this sounds absolutely like the sort of thing you would love with the librarians. Who doesn't like a librarian yeah. cowboy story, cowgirl story? I feel like I feel like all the time I see more books that are book adjacent, where they take place in bookstores, they take place with magic books, they take place in libraries. Because I feel like authors are catching on to the fact that people who love to read love books set in a book world, you know, and it's like, yes. oh, this is this is an easy sell, like, if we pitch, you know, books, you know, pertaining to books somehow. Yes. Um, and I think we're just going to keep seeing more and more of them. And I, and I will read them all. <laughs> it's because book people are basically taking over the world. And yeah. so, of course, our needs are being answered. At long last, we're getting books about books. Thank you, world. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm fine with world domination as long as I still get naps. That's true. Those are very important. I think that'll be written into the laws once we become powerful people. Will they put it on the books? They will. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what is happening to me? <laughs> You're on fire. That's what's happening to you. Hmm. I need to come up with better puns for this show because after this, people are going to expect it from me. 
and I'm not good at it. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to uh, I want to bring the whole mood down by talking okay, about yeah. this sad news. Um, Peter yes. Mayhew, who was the original Chewbacca actor in Star Wars, passed away. And act- I think this was actually yesterday from the day we're recording. So it's very recent. Um, and I was really... It, I'm sure everybody who loves Chewbacca, and if you don't love Chewbacca, you maybe have no soul. So (laughs) just pointing that out there. But I think everybody who loves Chewbacca felt a little pang in their heart. Um, And Peter Mayhew was 74 years old, lived an amazing life. I mean, I don't know how it gets much better than being chewy. And he was he was chosen to be Chewy. I like, I don't know his whole life story, but I was reading this article that uh, we're going to link in the show notes. And like, he was chosen to be Chewy when he was just like working, uh, just a regular day job and living his life. But he was kind of known, you know, around town, not necessarily all over the news for being really tall. And there's, like, this quote from him where he talks about, like, how he stopped being apologetic about being that person in the movie theater and, you know, the person you don't want to be sitting behind that I thought was hilarious. Uh, But he just sounds like he was a real character, uh, which you would have to be to be as, I guess, to personify Chewbacca so well. Like, he was actually studying zoo animals uh, to prepare for this role. I just think he's so fascinating, and I would absolutely read his life story. And we're all sorry to see him go, but his legacy is definitely going to live on. So, Is there anyone else who is as famous for playing a character in which we never actually see what they look like? I cannot imagine. I Big Bird, Big Bird, maybe a big Carol Spinney. Uh, yeah, for some, I don't know why. I don't know why I don't think of Big Bird as being in the same category. Maybe in my brain, Big Bird is actually a person. <laughs> Still, I have not grown uh, up. Spoiler: He's not. <laughs> <laughs> That's so sad. But yeah, I mean, Peter Mayhew was seven foot three inches and he actually the guy who played Darth Vader was originally going to be Chewie but he wanted to be Darth Vader and so they put out a new casting call uh, and um, Peter Bay who answered it so yeah that's kind of amazing he could have been Darth Vader but it says that he wanted to be a hero so it it kind of worked out for him in that way because I don't think anybody is as heroic as Chewie other than the Ewoks maybe my second favorite characters in the entire Star Wars franchise really really (laughs) even even like the Ewok TV movie I loved the Ewok TV movie. I was the only person <laughs> in the world who loved it. And I think there was even a cartoon. Yep. Oh, I my goodness. I have a lunchbox still. I still <gasps> have my Ewok lunchbox. Oh, my goodness. Don't ever let me visit. I'll text you a photo. Yeah. I was going to say don't ever let me visit because <laughs> I'm going to steal it. But <laughs> a photo will suffice. <laughs> oh, my goodness. They were my favorite. I mean, I was a kid. When I watched the first ones, um, which aren't actually the first ones, as we all know, but 
when the original ones came out. And so I just, I was obsessed with the Ewoks and with basically every furry creature in Star Wars, which is why I, of course, love Chewbacca. So, so rest in peace, Peter Mayhew. We love you. Um, let's see. I think we have enough time for, wow, I think we only have time for one more story. So I'm actually going to do a double up on a story and talk about a couple of Netflix shows that are coming out because it's Friday. Of course, you're going to be listening to this on Wednesday, but I'm thinking about what I'm going to be watching over the weekend, so I'm selfishly choosing these stories. Uh, So I wanted to talk about two really cool, supernatural Netflix features that are coming out, and one of them is Chambers. It's funny because they're both kind of, yeah, I guess they're both supernatural. So Chambers is a ghost story featuring Native Americans. Um, which sounds amazing, and Jen was actually the one who showed me this, and I promised her that I would watch it over the weekend and let her know if it was too scary for her, (laughs) because she does not (laughs) like scary shows, so, but once I read the description, I was, like, all about it, so it's about, it follows Sasha, who's Navajo and Dine, and she's low income, she doesn't have health insurance, and she has this heart attack, And she needs a heart transplant, but because she's really low on the list of, you know, people who can, who are applicable for getting this heart transplant, she has to sign this waiver. She's like put in this position where somebody offers this heart transplant and it's kind of her last chance. So she takes it and then she starts to realize that there's maybe something weird about the family that gave her this heart. And she gets to know them, and she's kind of hesitant about being involved in their lives. But then all of these creepy things happen, and she ends up going to the school of the person of their daughter who she received the heart from and trying to figure out exactly what happened to this girl. So this sounds really creepy and really fascinating. It's it's described as you know, a body horror show. It's got a possession narrative, but it also, of course, speaks to the Native American experience, and it really goes into those themes and details, and it sounds really timely and fantastic. And this is one of those rare shows where there's finally a representation, and it sounds like, I haven't watched it again, but it sounds like it's being done right. So I'm really excited about that. Um, And then my double up news is that there is another Netflix show coming out that's the first Arabic show, Um, and it's also supernatural, but this one's about a djinn who's released, and this young girl, it's a teenager, these are both teen stories, Um, a teenager releases this djinn, and it's this teenage boy, but then with the djinn is unleashed this dark magic that is threatening the world. So both of these shows sound really exciting. And if you're looking for something to watch on streaming, I'm going to watch it. I will let you know what I think about these. I think um, the Arabic series, which I think is just called Jin, isn't coming, isn't out quite yet, maybe? I think it just had a trailer. So I'll link the trailer. You can watch that. Um, and then the piece is about Chambers, the Native American story is really good to read. It goes really into depth about representation and what the show is about. Um, so I definitely recommend reading that. Um, yeah, so Netflix news, exciting. 
And I think without further ado, I'm going to talk about our next sponsor, and then we're going to go right into our pirate tales. Awesome. So our final sponsor is Finale by Stephanie Garber, and this is from Flatiron Books. Welcome to Finale, the final book in Stephanie Garber's number one New York Times bestselling Caravel series. It's been two months since the fates were freed from a deck of cards, two months since Legend claimed the throne for his own, and two months since... Tella discovered the boy she fell in love with doesn't really exist. Tella must decide if she's going to trust Legend. After uncovering a secret, Scarlet will need to do the impossible. And Legend has a choice to make that will forever change him. Caravel is over, but perhaps the greatest game of all has begun. So this is the final book in the series for those of you who are you know, the type who wait until the very end, which totally makes sense to read all of the books in the series. This is a trilogy. It feels like Caravel just came out like yesterday. So I am really amazed. Does. Yeah. <laughs> I was like taking photos of it for Book Riot's Instagram. Like, it feels like a year ago, but it's finally out. You can read the finale, which is called Finale. Um, and again, that was by Stephanie Garber. They're rolling out a lot of um, YA trilogies at, like, a six-month clip. Like, they do it more and more now, like, because people don't like to wait. And there's, I think, because there's so many trilogies that they just, they just drop them. I think, because I think these came out six months apart. How do they, I, I, I can't imagine, like, I'm such a slow writer. I kind of want to tap into the power of these people. Unless these books were all written way ahead anyway yeah uh, which would make sense but it's it's amazing and I can't really be mad at it because it is really hard sometimes to wait for the end of a series and I'm sure a lot of people are really excited to know that they're going to be able to read the last of these books oh oh uh, uh, one related thing um speaking uh -huh. of that they just moved up the last book in uh, Holly Black's Folks of the Air series. Yes. The Queen of Nothing was supposed to come out in January, and now it's coming out in November. They usually push books back, so to have it released earlier is awesome. Yeah, I heard about that, and I was amazed, because I I can't remember the last time I ever heard of a book being released earlier than it was supposed to be, but that's really exciting. I loved The Cruel Prince. That was the name yes. of the first book, right? Yes. Uh which also feels like it just came out. Um, <laughs> that was like one of the first books I read, I think, last year. And it just made for like the perfect opening to my reading year. I was so happy. Um, but it's probably going to... I wish I could get through series faster than I actually can. There are so many series I need to finish. And that is like one of them. So I'm going to try to get to the next one as quickly as possible it's really good <laughs> i heard a rumor that they're not doing galleys of the last one because of spoilers like they don't want anything to get out Ugh. so uh, at least we get it two months earlier now that's true that's true and i wouldn't have i probably wouldn't have made the time to read it before it came out so that's some faux frustration for you right there. I'm just excited <laughs> it's coming out. So congratulations to Holly Black for bringing her book out earlier. She must have done a fantastic job. Okay, I am, I guess I'm going first. Go for it. If you don't mind. Okay, so I'm going to talk about my fantasy pick first. 
And I was shocked that I've never talked about this book or series before unless I was completely baffled while I was searching uh, for books I've talked about. Uh, but I'm talking about A Darker Shade of Magic, and that's by V.E. Schwab, of course, and it's from the Shades of Magic series. And this is because Delilah Bard is an aspiring pirate, and even though she doesn't really get to do much swashbuckling beyond, like, gazing longingly at her future vessel in this particular first book, you get more in the next books. Um, so if you haven't read this series, you've probably heard of it. The Shades of Magic series uh, kicks it off with A Darker Shade of Magic. And this book introduces us to Kel and Delilah. And both of them come from very, from two very different worlds, uh, actually two very different Londons. And so while Kel is in Red London, I had to get all of my Londons straight before I actually talked about this book because I have forgotten. But Kel is in Red London, Delilah is in Grey London, and there is also a White London, and then there is also this mysterious Black London. Um, so most people don't have the ability to visit these other Londons, but then there's Kel, who's a magician, who can jump around from London to London. And because of this unusual setup he has with the royalty of Red London and also his skills, he has this rare opportunity to act as an ambassador and on the low-key side as a smuggler. And then, of course, you have Delilah, who's really rough around the edges. She's street smart. She's rash. She's really stubborn. And she's as far removed from this royal life Kel's living as you can be. And Kel, granted, isn't like necessarily what you would imagine of somebody who associates with royalty. He is a sort of dark brooding soul, but I really, I really like Kel's character. So Delilah's really moved from that, removed from that. She lives in gray London, which sounds exactly like it is. It's very gray. It's very bleak. Um, it actually sounds more like our world, our reality, than any of these other Londons, which was kind of sad. But her skills fall more into the area of petty theft. And then the, the two of them are brought together because something really goes wrong with one of Kel's exchanges. And they're both dragged into this dangerous territory involving this whispered about Black London. And Delilah is very much about leaving Grey London, and she's very tricky, so she finagles this ticket out. And even though she's not really living the dream, she's not at all living the dream of becoming a pirate, she really does act the part throughout this book and the series with her brashness and her temper, mostly. And then you kind of have to read on to find out if she ever does get to live out that dream. This is a really popular series, as you might imagine. I'm sure you've heard of it. And there's lots of fan love, but... You don't have to feel left out because <clears throat> while everyone else was writhing on the floor waiting for each of these books to hit the shelves, you get to read this whole series from start to finish because all the books are out. So if you're looking for a fantasy adventure with characters you can really latch on to and really great writing and world building and this wannabe pirate, you should definitely check out Shades of Magic and A Darker Shade of Magic by V.E. Schwab. Right on. Do you want to talk about your... Is it my turn? Yes, it is. <laughs> I was just, like, thinking about what you said, so I was just, like, sitting here. <laughs> um, my first pick is, is my fantasy pick. It is Ship of Smoke and Steel by Django Wexler. Um, in this world, 
There are nine wells of sorcery. There are nine different kinds of ancient magics, and certain people have different abilities. They have one of the different talents. And the main character of the book is an 18-year-old woman named Ahsoka, and she is what is called an adept, which is the strongest of the well-imbued people. Um, and usually adepts, when they're children, like their talents are seen, and they are adopted out by immortals. Like immortals like fight over who gets to raise, or raise one of these adepts. Um, but she managed to escape that. She stayed under the radar, um, and so she was never, like, because the government wants to keep track of these people, obviously. Uh, and so she's been sort of, like, under the radar. Um, and she works as a hired gun. She's an enforcer in her in her um, ward. Uh, she goes and, like, tells people who owe money, like, they have to pay up. And, and she's very unsentimental. She's very brutal. Um, she has blades that come out of her wrists, like, like, blades of magic that she wields when she has to. And... The, we find this out because this job kind of goes horribly wrong at the beginning, um, and she kills a lot of people, uh, and then the government, she gets back to her place, the government has found her. Um, they have they have been watching her for a little while, they know that she is an adept, and they capture her, and they bring her in, and they say, um, we have this job that we want you to do. There's a ghost ship, like this ghost pirate ship, and she's like, ghost pirate ship whatever and they're like they're like swear really it's true and every year this ghost ship called the soliton it pulls into port and they have to each town needs to give a sacrifice needs to give um a magical person to this pirate ship and she's like well what if you don't and they're like well we've never tried it because you know 100 years ago or so somebody didn't and they wiped out their whole town so basically you're going to be, like, she's like, what, is, what happens on this ship? And we're like, we don't really know. But what we want you to do is go to this very ancient magic pirate ship that is super scary, and we want you to steal it for us. And she's like, oh, because that sounds, that sounds great. It sounds super easy. And they're like, well, here's the deal. So like most unsentimental people, um, Ahsoka has an Achilles heel, and that is her 13-year-old sister, Tori, who she has been doing all these dirty jobs to keep safe. Like, the money that she gets from this stuff goes to keep her sister safe. She's hidden away. She doesn't think anybody knows about her sister. Uh, and it turns out, of course, government knows about her sister. They say, if you don't do this job for us, we're going to take your sister and sell her to a brothel. And so she's like, all right, I'll go to this ghost ship and steal it. Great. Uh, so <laughs> that's what happens. They, they row her out to this boat. Which doesn't seem like a boat, it's like this invisible wall, but then she gets pulled up onto the ship. Um, it's scary. It, there's creepy, twisted creatures along the rims, and the crew is really vicious. Like, they kill a bunch of people immediately, or a few people immediately, to show that they mean business. And she has to fight giant crabs and sharks with legs. Um, uh. she, befriends, she befriends a princess who's also stuck on the boat with her, uh, and so she's trying to, like, figure out a plan, like, who she can trust because she needs to steal this really, really big boat for the government. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was, first of all, it was super violent and dark. Uh, more than once I looked the spine of the book to see if that it said Tortine because I was like, is this a YA book? It is. Wow. And I like that because... Like, 
I think that, you know, kids, you can't candy coat things all the time, you know? Like, I would have been super thrilled to read this book as a teenager, which was only a few years ago. Um, but <laughs> it's, it's just, she's, she's super violent. Like, she kills people for money, and yet you're still, like, rooting for her. Um, and I just, I really, I like the idea of, like, this weird ghost ship with, like, giant creatures, and it was just so, so much fun. And this is actually now, it's the first in a trilogy. I didn't realize it was going to be a trilogy, like, when I read it, but, um, it, the second book is called City of Stone and Silence, which comes out in January. Uh, so this was really, really fun. So again, it is called Ship of Smoke and Steel, and it's by Django Wexler. I was going to say it sounds like Wolverine meets Uprooted meets Pirates until you got to the creepy part and the stuff about sharks with legs. And I was like, okay, maybe not. (laughs) Maybe not Uprooted so much. Uh, (laughs) My science fiction pick. Actually, I was really excited about this because this uh, theme gave me the opportunity to read this book. Um, And it's actually more like science fantasy or steampunk mythology, maybe. And it's The Black God's Drum uh, by P. Jelly Clark. And yeah, so I'd been sitting on this book for a while. I think Jen was actually talking about this a while back. And she was the one who sent me the book. And I've had it on my shelf. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. I finally got to it. I was so, I just gobbled it up. It was so good. Um, And it's not difficult. It's only 108 pages. It is a novella. So the story follows a young woman who goes by the name of Creeper. And Creeper lives on, you know, the mean streets as a pickpocket. And this seems to be a theme in my picks for today, but we're talking about pirates. So pickpocketing and swashbuckling go hand in hand. And instead of, of course, the parallel London, she's living in an alternate New Orleans at a time when... The Civil War has gone very differently, and it's divided the nation. And so there are some familiar historical and cultural elements that also mingle with this strange version of New Orleans we're seeing. And so you've got your schools, which Creeper refuses to attend, your brothels, you've got your church, uh, but you also have the ubiquitous airships of the steampunk genre, And with one such airship called the Midnight Robber, which, of course, immediately made me think of the Nalo Hopkinson novel, with this ship comes its captain, who is a smuggler and every bit the picture of a pirate. Like, the way she's described is immediately pirate. This is a pirate. Uh, But, of course, there's, there's a lot more to her than meets the eye. And the same goes for Creeper. And the two end up meeting... Because Creeper makes this discovery that could spell the end of a shaky truce and the end of New Orleans as well. And Creeper's really smart. She knows information is worth a lot to most of the people she has dealings with. So she makes this deal with the captain because she wants to escape the sorry situation she's in. uh, Because she doesn't exactly enjoy her life on the streets and pickpocketing. And so she strikes up this deal, and they end up joining forces, and with the help of some maybe not-so-human connections, they both set off to find and secure these, this legendary Black God's drums. And I just had so much fun reading this book. It's told in the first person by Creeper, and her voice is absolutely wonderful. She's really irreverent and funny, and she knows herself, and the Black God's drum is one of 
one of many, many reasons why I love tour novellas. It's just such a vivid, creepy, I want to say energetic read. It's just really fast-paced, and I could not put it down. It's a page-turner for sure. And it also presents this really frightening image of a world where slavery persists. There are a lot of layers to the story, and there are a lot of feelings it produces, and there are a lot of really fantastic side characters. And in books, I don't know if everybody else feels the same, but I really love a good side character. Like, the funnier and stranger they are, the better. And I'm endlessly astonished by how much some authors are able to fit into the novella package because, you know, sometimes you're like, well, you need a lot of story to really feel attached to some characters and to really feel like their characters are being developed and to feel like you know them. But that, you know, like I felt like I knew these characters right away and that was the product of really great writing. I was completely immersed and totally involved in everybody's business and I only wish I could have spent more time in the world and with them, but of course I will grudgingly admit that it was the perfect serving of story. And there is no continuation that I know of, um, so that's it for this book as of now, uh, but Clark has a new book out, so if you like this one, you can pick up The Haunting of Tramcar 15015. Yeah, 015. Or you can pick up any of his earlier work. And yeah, again, that was The Black Gods Drums by P. Jelly Clark. All right, my sci fi pick for today. I actually had never heard of it. I did a little research uh, when I knew I was going to be on the show, and I found it, and it sounded really good. It is War Child by Karen Loachy, and it seems to be, it was written at the beginning of the century, it seems to be a Canadian cult classic. There is a, a hardcore small f group of fans for this book. Uh, when I mentioned it, I think on Instagram that I was reading it, a bunch of people were like, ooh, yeah, that book. I Like I said, I had never heard of it before, <laughs> but it's really, really, really good. Um, it is about a young man named Joslyn Musey. He's eight years old at the beginning of the book. Um, and the book is being, the book, not, the book is not being attacked. The ship is being, <laughs> the ship he is on with his parents, he lives on a merchant ship called the Mukadori, and the ship is being attacked by pirates. And so his parents taught him what he should do, you know, in case of pirates, they've practiced this drill, um, but they didn't teach him what would happen if the pirates got his parents. Uh, and that is exactly what happens. His parents are killed by the pirates and he is captured um, and taken aboard this ship called the Genghis Khan uh, with this really, really bad, creepy pirate named Falcone. Um, and he's just, he takes a liking to, he's called, he goes by Joss. He's, that's how he's referred to most of the book. Um, he takes a liking to Joss. He thinks he's really He's like, he, he thinks he's a beautiful child, and he thinks he's smart and clever, and he sees potential in him. So, where he sells all the other children off, he keeps Joss for himself, and treats him better than most of the crew. Um, and it's kind, of, it's kind of like, it's kind of icky. Like, he just, he teaches him how to play poker, he teaches him how to dress, he teaches him how to eat, because he has all these rich friends that he wants to show Joss off to. Um, but like he shows him videos to teach him about sex, which is just, he's, you know, eight, he's like nine at this point. It's like, Ugh. and, uh, but like Joss, you know, he fights when they first get there, he fights as much as he can, but 
he, he's a small child and, and they're adults and it doesn't work for him. But in his heart, he always holds this revenge. He's waiting for his opportunity. He's like the Indigo Montoya of outer space, really. <laughs> or maybe maybe like the Arya of outer space. Like he won't Ooh. ever forget, you know, when he gets his moment, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna get his revenge. And he thinks he has his moment, you know, a year after his, um, Falcone takes him uh, on land and he escapes, but unfortunately his escape uh, coincides with um, an alien attack and he is now captured by the aliens instead. Uh, so now he's taken aboard this other ship uh, by Warboy, who is a human alien sympathizer. And Warboy raises Joss to be an assassin priest uh, and trains him until the age of 14 and then sends him to be a spy aboard this ship called the Macedon because that's like the key to the alien uh, earthling war ending is what's going on on the Macedon. Um, so he teaches him how to train like an, like an earth hub human and sends him there to spy. Um, but he, like Joss is really conflicted about, you know, what is right and what is wrong. Um, and it's, it's just, it's a really great novel about war. Um, I will say that the first, at first, when you start reading it, it's in the second person, and I know that second person is really unpopular with a lot of people. Uh, so I just wanted to say that only the first several pages are written in the second person, and then it jumps to the first person. Um, so don't worry about that. It kind of I, I enjoy the second person narrative, which is unusual, but um, it doesn't last very long if that's not your thing. Uh, and it's just this really I enjoyed her concept of space. Um, in how everything is just a little bit slightly different. The, it's almost like the people have evolved. It's like some of the words that we use in everyday language now are used in this book. Like they've been shortened somehow. Um, like, like they've evolved to like not need as many consonants. Um, and I liked that. And I like that Joss like never loses his anger. Like he's, he's gonna, you know, figure it out one way or another. He's gonna have his revenge. Um, which I will not, you know, tell you how that ends for him. But it was just really fun. So again, it is called War Child, and it is by Karen Loichi. And that's our show. Yay! Thank you so much for joining us, Liberty. That was so much fun. I love talking about pirates with you. Yes, it was really fun to nerd out. Yeah as always. Uh, so thanks everybody again for listening and you can always email us at sffyeah at bookriot.com and please do review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps people find us. Uh, where can we find you online, Liberty? Um, I spend most of my time on Instagram. My handle is Franzen Comes Alive. And you can find me on Instagram as well at Williams. That's S-C-A-I-N-A-B Williams. And thanks so much for joining us. Until next time. 